Welcome to the Global Wellness HQ family of podcasts. We are your international headquarters for resources and ideas and insight in relation to the nine elements of holistic wellness. Join us as we interview local and international wellness experts and learn how you can implement and improve one element or dimension of wellness at a time. Our experts will share their practical tips on wellness in one of these core areas. Emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, environmental, financial, spiritual, social, or habitual. We created our family of podcasts as a resource for anyone who is looking to integrate the nine elements of holistic wellness into their daily lives. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited. I have my new friend, Mark Smeets, on the show today. Mark, why don't you tell us just a tiny little bit about yourself, and then we're going to jump in and talk about strength-based parenting. Fantastic. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. My name is Mark Smeets, and I am a parent. Actually, I should start with just self-declaring myself first. Um, I I am ADHD, and my journey, our journey as a family started when our son was born nine years ago, where we suspected he was autistic and had a whole bunch of confirmations that he was, didn't quite get the original diagnosis when he was four years old. But finally, five years later, as of April of 2023, he, uh, we've confirmed that he actually is autistic and just confirming what we already knew. But uh, for all this time is we were just told, oh, it's just ADHD. And that was not the case because we knew better. And uh, I call myself an advocate because that's exactly what we've had to do to sit there and fight to to get that recognition and to fight for that diagnosis. And we know we're not alone as parents either. Um, outside of that, uh, I am on the board of directors of the ADHD Advocacy Society of BC. And we're a relatively new nonprofit dedicated to smashing down a lot of those barriers and breaking those stigmas for ADHD. And on a side note, um, been a musician for 30 years, and uh, I've got my own podcast. Uh, we are the ADHD family and the advocators, and that is our family's journey with everything that I just talked about. I love it. And just to make it fun and for good measure, you also have two cats. I do, Conan and Pebbles, who have now walked away from us. <laughs> Conan has left the building. All right. Well, he's left the room. So um, <laughs> now we were talking about, so you asked me a question about um, talking about disabilities. And I don't like the phrase disability because it implies deficit. Um, I love the spin that you put on it where you were talking about strength-based parenting. So Let's start with that. Tell me what strength-based parenting means to you. So it's a term, I, like, as I mentioned to you, I doubt I'm the one that came up with this. I just call it my term. And if somebody else has done it and copywritten it already, good for them. But what it really is, is about finding out what the strengths of your child are and how can you marry them with your own strengths or possibly your own um, your own challenges and bring that uh, bring that together along as a cohesive family unit. Um, trust me, I can give you a ton of examples and I don't want to dive into it because the ADHD person in me will be like too much information, too much information. So I'm going to let you guide me on this where you want me to go. But that's essentially what it is. It's, it's not looking at 
it's not focusing on what the challenge, what your challenge is or what the quote unquote deficit is because the medical model is built on curing. It's built on deficits. It's what you don't have. It's that you're not normal, quote unquote, and that's wrong. That's that's not the way we should be looking at these things. And I don't even think the medical community should be looking at, at it that way, but that's another discussion for another 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 day. And I think that was where I got interested in, and I want to kind of dive a little deeper because way too many people focus on what they can't do. Um, you know, when I work with adults who are, you know, successful in, in their field, most of them focused on their strengths and they, they honed their strengths. You know, if somebody's really naturally great at hockey, um, it's really weird to say, you know, but you're terrible at curling. Well, in that case, why don't we let you play hockey and not force you to curl? Um, so what are some of the strengths you've discovered? And, and I love the fact that you, you talk about your family journey. Um, what are some of the strengths you've discovered in ADHD for our listeners? Well, this will be the tricky part. And I think the one thing I want to do is not get into um, sort of what's ADHD, what's autism, I mean, I can I can get into that, but part of part of the reason I didn't want to say I, I don't want to I don't want to dive into that is because when we're the the one the one big issue that the medical community has as well is that they will lump in one diagnosis even if you have multiple. So, for example, um, I can't remember what the stat is I got from uh, from a government source. But it's something along the lines of just loosely, it's like 94% of people who do have a disability, whether it's ADHD or autism um, or dyslexia, you have what's called a comorbidity, which is two or more conditions. So you could be ADHD plus dyslexic. You could be autistic plus ADHD. You could be, you could have Down syndrome and ADHD, but we only recognize one. And you only see organizations advocating for one. And that's not the case. And that's not the reality. So I wanted to kind of state that as a kind of an overall thing and not dive into, like I said, we can dive into the specifics of each one. I'm not worried about that. Um, but just to kind of make that statement, the, everything for me and for us and my wife and I, everything started when our son was born. We didn't understand any of this. We had no clue. I wish I could take myself back in time and tell myself it was going to be okay. Um, I had a we had a child that would not go to sleep. We had a child that was always moving, and you know we could not keep up with him. The so at some point we were we ended up having to change our 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 parenting style entirely, and all the credit goes to my wife because she pointed out that I was doing pretty much everything wrong, which was fantastic, and. <laughs> We, we ended up coming out with this, um, a much more collaborative approach. And it's taken me years to get to this point, um, no word of a lie. But when I was dropping a whole bunch of weight at my old job, I would go out for a run at work at lunchtime and then come home, fight traffic. And then I, then I would take my son outside. And initially what we thought was, Hey, maybe we can tire him out, which is about the dumbest thing you can say to a kid who has who's <laughs> autistic or has ADHD, because you ain't gonna do it. These kids yeah. are, you know, kids are nuclear powered. They're no way. 
so we would go outside and I'm pointing and I can see it down here. We would run back and forth in our townhouse complex and we would just race and that would be it. And we do that for like half hour, 45 minutes. And you realized, we realized that his ability to move those gross motor skills, that was a gift that he has. And it was just a way to like, it, it was, it was a way to channel that energy into an activity. And we use that as the basis for emotional regulation, transitions, um, you know, being able to go from one point to the next without having a break, without having a fight or something like that. And that's how that all started. And that's what I mean by strengths-based parenting. I just happened at the time, my need was to sit there and draw and drop a whole bunch of weight. He has the need to sit there and, and start moving. So what was... What I needed for me is what he was able to provide for me. It was like this, this puzzle piece. And it was it was absolutely wonderful. And we've continued that thing. And there's I would you say the word and I'll give you a couple of fantastic examples of what we did, just to take that even further. But that's how it started. Well, you you offered, so give me a couple of examples. So, well, the first one that we did, and I'm proud of it because I've got the podcast episode that I, I did this with, um, there's a, uh, there's the wall center, the Sheridan wall center, downtown Vancouver, where they do the, uh, where BC lung cancer does their, uh, climb the, climb the wall campaign every year. And so obviously this is, this is pre COVID, but, um, we we went there and part of the reason we we got involved with this was because a, a family friend of ours um my brother-in-law's best friend jeremy uh jeremy passed away at the age of 31 from lung cancer and it took him in within a year and that sort of just devastated all of us he was a fantastic guy left behind a a, a beautiful wife and and beautiful child who was he was, he was young. Uh, I want to say he was six or seven. I can't remember how old he was. Anyways, it, I mean, it breaks your heart to know that. And we went and we began to do this. And with Owen, I had the idea of, I wonder if I can get him to do this with me. But we were also struggling with transitions and going through all this stuff. And maybe I should just back up and tell you about the stair climb. So the stair climb is the entire wall center. It's all 54 flights of stairs, if I remember correctly. And firefighters go there in full gear. They climb it all. And it's, you know, it's a heck of a, it's, it's a heck of a thing to undertake, um, especially if you're not in the best of shape. Owen and I, we were actually in pretty good shape. So we went there, we did it. And I think we did it in about... I have to adjust for the times because we were stopped at the bottom because the door was closed and nobody realized it. Um, so we got hung up for like five minutes, which is funny. But uh, we climbed we climbed all 54 flights of stairs in like 10 minutes-ish after wow. all was said and done. And the best part was, is he had just turned five two weeks prior. So you've got this five-year-old that is passing people who are like, Oh, that person looks like they're in good shape. They were hurting bad. And this five-year-old kid and his dad is passing, you know, these people all along the way. And one person's like, how old is your kid? And I'm like, I'm like, just turned five. And I'm like, I'm not giving up. I'm just going to keep going. And that's exactly what it was. We did the whole thing. And it's, it was such a, it was such a tremendous triumph to have that, 
bonding moment, not just for, because it was just him and I at the time doing it, but for all of us as a family to have completed something like that, I, I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. But that is, again, you know, that was the bond that we had built up doing all the working out and doing all the running and everything else. That was, there you go. There's, there's playing to his strengths and ends up being a strength for me too. Well, and it's, it's nice when those two mesh, you know, what you needed was what, what your son needed. Um, And, and uh, I'm just going to go back and, and comment that you, you made it really a clear comment that, you know, no person has just a diagnosis you know like and and it's funny because i don't think anybody out there sort of takes the time to peel back the layers and you know it's nice to understand you know okay this is this thing this is that thing um but it's funny because all of our you know society lines you know fundraising it's based on this very linear one point in time and you know it's it's an interesting thing yeah. Now, let's talk about advocacy, because I, I feel like, yes, we, we could talk about ADHD, and, and um, I love learning more about my fellow, um, as I say, neurospicy, thanks to Christina Hooper. Um, you know, I love learning about other, other pieces of the spectrum and, and how it all fits in. Um, but I think the piece that's missing for a lot of people is the advocacy, and you know, I, I had a friend who had three children that, you know, the medical community, this was in small town BC, the medical community said, your kids are problem kids. You know, they, they just kept saying, you know, slow development. And then ultimately they found out that all three of them had very severe um, on the autism spectrum. And, you know, that it turns out there was some um, environmental factor from, from their ch- um pregnancy that led to this this diagnosis but they fought for years because everybody wanted to put a different label and nobody wanted to actually say the word autism um so how did you start advocating and was it for yourself or was it for your son no um it was really for everything was really around owen and that is that is what started everything and and by the time we got to his first diagnosis with that private provider that we had um, contracted because we thought hey you know let's go through something that's private we've got some base knowledge and, and go through that the experience that we had was was less than stellar and because my wife and I just were completely we were emotionally physically spiritually you name it, we were wiped. And yeah. we had no idea how to deal with any of any of what we were dealing with because we didn't know. And here Owen was Owen was for. But when we went in there, I remember bringing in uh, like a USB with a bunch of videos and stuff. And I did, had no idea what masking was at the time. And I'm like, you know, I want you to look at this information. And she didn't want to look at it. And I was just like, well, look at it if you have time, basically. Yeah. But that was the mistake sort of on on my part. It should have been, you're going to look at this damn thing. And <laughs> that that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't there. That was far from it. The when we got that ADHD diagnosis, 
the first time and we heard those words, we're like, that, but that doesn't explain this. That doesn't explain that, 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 that. And then we heard uh, a phrase that a lot of, I know parents have heard before, which is, well, it might just be too early to tell. Oh, bull. And you get a, you want to censor me out on that one, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's good. Like the, the, the line that you hear when, when somebody says that, oh, it's too early to tell, or there's not enough data. No, pull your head straight out of your butt and, and look at this. But here's but here's where the, the valuable advocacy lesson came in. I did not realize that we actually had a ton of tools in the beginning that we didn't tap into. For example, um, when we were going to his daycare, we would call, if he had a bad night, uh, I'd send an email over to the daycare and say to them, hey, Owen's had a bad night, just keep an eye on him or something like that. Or this is why he's this is why he's mad today. Yeah. And there was all this kind of stuff, but I didn't think to print that out and bring that with me. I had no idea. What we <laughs> what we miss as parents and what we don't have is we do not have a framework for discussion with a medical professional. We are beholden to that medical professional to show us, you know, where we might be missing something. If we can even get that sort of clarity, we don't normally have that. Um, fast, let's, we'll fast forward to uh, March of this year. And when we finally got our appointment at BC Children's at Sunny Hill, there was a, um, I guess quasi-disclosure quasi is that I'm somewhat of an expert at Microsoft Excel. So <laughs> I put together this, this spreadsheet and it essentially had, um, a friend of mine gave me some good inspiration too, but it had a breakdown of what's known as the diagnostic manual, which is what is the criteria that you use to, to diagnose these things. And I took everything for autism and basically I broke it all, broke it all. I had broken it all down out of the big, huge lumping five categories that they've got or six categories, whatever it is. And I made them individual things. So if I saw repetitive motions, if I saw, um, you know, the rigidity, if I saw that the spreadsheet became this, here's the date that I saw it. Here's when we started seeing it. And then I began to list out every single thing for him. He's nine years of being alive to, um, to correlate it all within the diagnostic manual. That ended up being, uh, I, we had to stop, I had to stop at 300 rows because my shoulder, um, not shoulder actually, my, my shoulder actually um, had an impingement. So I literally could not move my arm anymore. My my wife, in addition, had written another 14 pages in Microsoft Word. <laughs> and so we sent this over to the hospital for the appointment the next day. And the doctor saw this and he goes, I got to commend my staff, whoever put this form together and all this information. <laughs> like, they're amazing. And Siobhan, my wife, she just points at me and she's like, it wasn't your staff. It was Mark. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what? And I told him everything sort of that had happened. And uh and he's just like, he was just floored. But that for, that Excel file 
what that did was give us the basis for a for a discussion to know what the things we were seeing and and that we actually weren't quote unquote crazy because when you deal with something for the first time and you say well they don't meet this criteria in this category or this well if you put it all together in a big huge honking list yeah let me tell you you're going to be able to sit there and say how many examples do you bloody well need because i've got 10 and you're asking me for 20 yep Come on. like this is the struggle that parents go through and this is where i this is why i say we parents don't have that handbook they don't have that guide and it's not a it's not the parents fault you know like you were talking in the beginning about that that difference of of just quote unquote being different of thinking differently yep like this is this was me being about as full and natural self as I possibly could have is whipping out a spreadsheet and coming out with something like this. It solved the problem, but I I don't I look at that as as such a positive thing, um, you know that that can that can work out really well, but that's where the advocacy begins. Is you have to have you have you want to get beyond just getting in somebody's face. It's yeah. not that. You want to, everything that you do, you do it with kindness. As as hard as it was, you do it with as much kindness as possible and you give as much information as you possibly can. And that's that's right there is is the heart of, of, of advocacy because you're taking that need and you're expressing it in a kind way with information that's going to help that person. And so. I, I really love that. And uh, I applaud you. I'm a... I'm a fan of Excel, so I, I never once thought of applying. I'll it. show you later. I'll show you later. <laughs> uh, Mark and I are going to go on a tangent. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, uh, I, I never once thought about applying um, Excel to my parenting, but now I, I feel like it's it's a, a hole that was missing in my life. Um, that was so, where my, so. this is partly where my process improvement background came in, as well as my programming background. So, yeah. <laughs> Lean, method lean, lean methodology and Cata, uh, Toyota Cata is a huge benefit as a parent. Oh, let uh, me tell you. Yes. Okay. We're going to have an entire episode just on that conversation. Because, Okay. You opened this can of worms, Mark. I I'm going gonna, gonna to throw my hat in the ring. Um, I apply the Pareto principle to my parenting. So everything we do, it's 80-20, and my 10-year-old can tell you what Pareto means, and he gets exasperated when people are focused on the wrong things, and he's like, no, 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 if you do this 20%, we're done. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so I had, I had uh, with everything that happened at Sunny Hill, um, and the long story around, the short story of that version is... The pediatrician's office and Sunny Hill, they basically lost the referral initially. So I had to keep going after our pediatrician's office. And then I had to go after Sunny Hill to make sure that they actually got it. Like I was in full on my logistics old life mode of the why am I the one doing this? But I mean, I I did a value stream map or not a value, not a VSM, a um a process map of how all this stuff works because it's confusing and it's daunting, but all these tools are so dang useful yeah. oh the fish the the, the i have um do you know the ishikawa the fishbone um yes i i haven't I used need, it much but uh i have a parenting version of that 
and I tell you, it it was one of the coolest things I've. It's really neat to come up with, and I have yet to do my own podcast on it. But um, I'll show you that later too. I love it. I love it. So yeah. Fair warning, Mark and I might go on a tangent or two. Um, <laughs> this I, I is love part one of this is part one of twenty <laughs> of nine hundred ninety six. <laughs> I think. Um, and for those listening, you know what you're in for. So welcome to the party. Um, I love the application of management skills to parenting because, quite frankly, um, I've become a better parent because I've got management skills, but I would say I've become a better leader because I've got parenting skills. I, I, I love the overlap and uh, I feel like there's a spreadsheet that justifies um, things. Um, yeah, that's, that's hilarious. But well, I, and, I think and that's the big, a... and the big core and the big core thing with leadership skills is making sure that you're that you're, I was gonna say person centered, but human centered. Oh. Right. You do it with the person in mind. It's not about barking in order. And yeah. any 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 manager who comes along and thinks that they're, you know, the, you know, the king's throne or what have you, like, you're not a leader, dude. Go yeah. somewhere else. Um, you know, you've got to do it with the person in mind. You have to do it with kindness. Well, and, and I love your approach to advocacy, because if you think about, you know, the, the the medical community, you know, especially with the world after COVID, um, you know, I, I have a, a family doctor I went to visit last week, and I can say that man is on the verge of giving up, you know, he's been overworked, he's exhausted, people don't want to have to reach for things if you can help them understand and, and I love that you actually, I, I can't wait to see that spreadsheet, because you know, tying the diagnoses to the, the the actual behavior, the the occurrences, the events, um, you know, most of the diagnosis is about observation and data. Um, you can't get that in a 15 minute doctor visit or, you know. No, 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 you can't. And if you if to take this even further, if you think about a value stream map or a process map, one of the big questions that we end up asking is, you know, what's the task that we're working on? But, you know, what is value? How is value defined? And what are the I mean, yes, we know about overall value. Maybe we're building a widget or something like that, or we're doing a service. But if you're asking, because I used to do this at my old logistics job as well, I broke it down in the same in the same way, is the information that you're sending me is value in some form. I mean, if you want to sit there and argue what's non-value added or what's value and what's waste, that's a whole other the whole other thing. Just for simplicity's sake, it's value that comes over to you. But if you have to manipulate this spreadsheet 10 ways to Sunday and you and and it's just wastes an hour of your time. Well, I'll pick up the phone and call such and such and say, when you send me that spreadsheet, humble inquiry, right? What are you having to do to get that information? Is that just the raw data or are you having to format and do all this? And as soon as they realize that they don't have to do all that work, oh, if you just send me the raw information, I mean, that could save them hours. But we don't think of a process like that at all. And anywhere, very yeah. few places I've ever come across do. 
And that is the that is where you take that principle and you apply it to the medical side and you say, what's the information that they're looking for on this such and such? And we as parents don't necessarily know those things. Yeah. It's it it takes someone like yourself or myself or or whatever to create and come up with those guides. It just it's I'm I'm happy that you know I I, I do want to turn that spreadsheet into an app. Um because I know it'll be really damn useful for so many families that are that struggle with this. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean that's that's it's you have to know where that value is coming from and what's important and what's the actual information that they need. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you can't really help fix the process, so to speak. You're just you're still that bystander. Um, and I'm not trying, and I, I'm not advocating for micromanaging. It's not about micromanaging. It's not about that. Um, it's really about what is the other person doing to get you the information that you do need. That's, yeah. that's, that's it. Right. And, and that ultimately, Hey, you make that person's life easier. Your life becomes easier. The next person down the line becomes easier because then I say, Oh, you know, maybe Barb in accounting needs this piece can I take this spreadsheet and move it around so I you can bill everything in a certain way? Yeah. Oh, let's do that then. There it is. I love it. And um, we talked about the bullet journal before we started recording. Um, I just want to share this with you. As you're developing your app, um, one of my son's classmates was very severe type 1 diabetes. Um, his mom actually created a little journal and every day she'd make notes and the teacher would make notes and the journal went with that kid everywhere. So yeah. there was real time data so that, you know, nothing was dropped. And, you know, it just, if you have special needs, part of advocacy is collecting the data that people need to help you. Is that and a it's fair the hardest statement? Part. Yeah, it's the hardest part. Yeah. And, you know, she was worried he was going to lose it. But every day, you know, when he came home from school, she'd take a picture, she'd upload it to an online hard drive. Um, but it was a beautiful thing because the doctors could make really good decisions. Yeah. You know, they tracked his food, they tracked his blood sugar, they tracked his mood. Um, you know, um, one of his side effects was extreme hyperactivity followed by extreme, I'm going to say comatose. Like he just literally freeze. Wow. And it was just, you know, they realized it was the patterns in his blood sugar. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because taking that kind of a guide, that kind of a journal, you're also, you're, you're knowing what the, what the value is and what in in the columns of data that you're looking for like you said it tracks his food his mood his blood sugar and when you when you're a medical professional and you're looking at that information that's no different than what we gave the doctor of here's the historical representation of everything about our son and we're like this is this is you know this this is his this is his value this is how we figure out the answer to this question. And this is what leads to this. And it becomes a much more, um, I want to say global, more, more, more global discussion, universal yeah. almost, much, much, much more so. Well, and I love the idea of 
you know, from an advocacy point of view of documenting, and, and I don't pretend that everybody's got Mark's Excel skills. I'm going to assume oh. that most people don't, but just little things like having a journal or a diary or, or some, you know, an app on your phone where you make some notes. Um, Cause in the moment, you know, when you're in emergency and they're asking you what's going on, um, oh, yeah. our, our brains aren't conditioned to remember in stress. You know, we're we're in, in full on panic mode. Um, it's good to be able to hand somebody something and say, you know, so if somebody's new to this world where they're having to f- step into the role of advocate, um, my advice is start taking notes, find a way to track it that makes sense. If you're artistic, draw pictures. If you love Excel, create a spreadsheet. Um, what advice would you give to some new parent who's just learning, you know, they're at the beginning of the journey? Well, one thing I love, which I'll touch on first, because I just wrote down two things that really came to mind. Um, you said draw a picture. One thing that I think we really suffer from in in schools is that we are so we teach we teach children wrong. And for that matter, we work wrong as well. I think. Um, And by that, I mean, you talked about drawing pictures. Why is drawing pictures any less valid of a form of communication than handwriting or typing? It's not. If I take my iPhone and as, as even another example, Owen, um, Owen's DCD, he struggles with, uh, sorry, DCD is um, developmental coordination disorder, which is also known as dyspraxia. Long story. Um, the his fine motor skills for writing if you were to see his handwriting at grade two it'd be like oh wow that's you you couldn't read it not to mention he's dyslexic as well so the he's much improved in the span of a year and a half but why should a kid be punished because they can't physically write when i could take text to speech on an ipad and speak the answer or have somebody scribe his thoughts for somebody to have him keep up with the class. So those modes and methods that you have for making something that is, um, for, for making it work, don't limit yourself. That's number one. If, if it's a picture that you need, great. If it's blocks that you need, if it's Lego, I don't, I don't, doesn't matter whatever you're comfortable with. Um, the, the other two things that really make it, that hit me is to make it accessible and not just to you, but you want to make it accessible to the audience that it's for. In other words, when I ask you, I know there's that whole definition about, uh, you know, communication and it's two people that do whatever. Honest to God, Jeff, if I'm sitting there and I need a piece of information and I'm, I'm asking you, you know what, I'm going to word this in such a way that you understand what I'm asking for. And that might take, that might have to require me to get out of my head and get into your head to say, how does Jeff want that? That's the accessibility piece. Um, and I would say, make it easy, make it as easy as you can. Um, also be gentle on yourself. Think of as few steps as possible as you need to record that information. And you have to, you have to be willing to define what value is and what is the easiest way to capture that value. 
that you know. Because my way, as you already said, my way is not going to be your way, right? It's it's not going to be somebody else's way. It's going to be very different. That's the kind of the basic advice I would have is as far as that sort of thing goes. I love and it. The, and, and, and finally, I'll say it again because I will I will die on this hill. Be kind. Be yes. kind. Because this is not you're you're mad at a process you're frustrated at a process you're frustrated at bureaucracy you're not frustrated at the person i love it so that, that's some great advice now mark if people want to get to know you and 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 follow you what's the best way for them to connect with you and learn more about the amazing things you're doing thanks jeff um the 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 first one I'll give you is the uh, is the podcast. So you can look up We Are the ADHD Family. Um, the Advocators is something that I've I'm I'm tacking on to the end of it because it's the idea of an advocator is um, you've got a rock on you've got a, a raconteur which is a storyteller and you've got an advocate and an advocate does an excellent job at telling stories. So I combine the two and uh, that's why I call it the Advocators. Um, but I'm not putting that in the title, but just look up, we are the ADHD family. Um, and then you can look up my name, just look up Mark Smeets. You'll find it iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Amazon, pretty much all these places. Um, I'd say LinkedIn's a fantastic place to find me. You can just find me under, I think I'm under Mr. Mark Smeets. I put the Mr. in there. Um, you can find me on, actually, you can find the podcast on Facebook as well, just facebook.com, uh, forward slash or whatever the slash is. We are the ADHD family. I just made an Instagram page and, uh, that's basically the best ways to do it. I love it. And for the listeners, we'll have it in the show notes as well. So they can just easily quickly connect. Um, now, Mark, before we wrap up, you are the expert at you. Is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? Oh, no. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> In episode one of 996. One of nine, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, well, we didn't talk about music, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, you could ask me my favorite band. Um, no, you know what? I would say, I'd say my advice for, I'd say, here's, here's what I would say for a question that you, you kind of hit on loosely, but I'll just say it. Being at, at, being an advocate can be lonely and just like being a parent can be lonely and, and all that. Um, who you are is who you are. Celebrate celebrate those things and recognize what makes you quote unquote different is really what makes you special and makes you uh, a powerhouse. It takes, it's taken me 48 years to realize this at this point in my life. And I'm really grateful for my son being who he is and that opportunity that I have now to help make things better because Again, realizing what my strengths are and realizing that I can use my own ADHD as a as a strength, even though there are days where I just all over the place um, 
it, it, you are, you are, you are, you are special. And even if you don't have, um, and even if you don't have a disability, as much as we were just, you know, talking about that earlier, um, if you don't, if you're not in that neurodivergence world, don't think that you're not missing out. You are just as special as well. Um, you're, you're an amazing person. And I'll, quite honestly, I wish people had told me a long, a long time ago, you're doing enough and you are enough. I love it. I love yeah. it. And I think that's, you know, be kind applies to ourselves as well as to others. Big, so yeah, big time. Well, Mark, I really uh, had some fun today and I learned a lot. So thank you for taking the time to hang out with me today. Well, thank you, Jeff, for inviting me on. And uh, I hope this is the first of many. And um, yeah, this is fantastic. And if anybody's got questions, hey, if you've got a situation, I, I don't mind the I don't mind the questions. Reach out to me on one of those things and, and you feel free to pick my brain. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to either click the link below or scan the QR code to register and listen to other episodes of our podcast. Or if you think your business or you would be a great guest to be on our show, we're always looking for experts in one of the nine elements of holistic wellness. We'd love to have you. You can either click the link below or you can scan the QR code and complete our speaker intake form. Thank you and to your wellness.